I always say, you're only one phone call, one email, one meeting, one introduction, one contact, one project, one idea, one post, one tweet, one like from changing your life. My name is Demarius, also known as Champ Media, and this is The Industry Is Watching Podcast. Watching. The industry is watching. 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 The industry is watching. They lurking. They looking. They loving. They hating. They waiting. They plotting. The industry is watching. They lurking. They looking. They loving. They hating. They waiting. They plotting. The industry is watching. They lurking. They looking. They loving. They hating. They waiting. They plotting. Today, I have a really, really special guest, Ryan Robertson. What's up, Ryan? Yo, what's going on, bro? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Glad to be here. We both from Memphis, yep. and we live in New York City, but we... We talk that Memphis talk. Absolutely. We talk the talk. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so anytime we together, whether it's a dinner or just, you know, an right. outing or we hanging out or, or that whatever. Memphis is still there, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can take us out of Memphis, but you can't take the Memphis out of us. Hell nah. And shout out, shout out to our city, man, because Memphis is, I would say, slept on in a sense, but it's a lot of talent. It's a lot of individuals and there's a lot of big things that come out of Memphis. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of, uh, like Memphis has everything. You know what I'm saying? Culture, music, uh, grit, grind, hustle, everything. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's, it's Memphis actually doesn't get nearly the credit that it deserves in terms of kind of what the city offers and the people uh, there. Right. And, um, and, and I'm a big proponent of making sure that our city gets its just due. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah, know man. you, I know you are as well. Oh, of course. I'm still Memphis through and through. I, my, my cell phone number is still 901. That's true. See, you have you, have you, uh, I did convert over see, to, to 347, ah, but sold out I, to I Brooklyn. Sti- I'm still Memphis, man. Definitely. And, and I consider you a friend, man, not just yeah. on the industry tip, but you are again, uh, an inspiration and, and thank you, Ryan, for rocking with me through like, at all through mm-hmm. the ups and downs I, I don't have it all figured out right, i'm right. the first person i'm the do, first bro. one to tell people man and thank you for just your consistency man like that's the epitome of the industry is watching man and inspiring and influencing other people man throughout whatever they're going yeah, through. and thanks for having this platform too man i, I think the uh the vision and what you're creating here is uh definitely necessary but but immensely helpful to a lot of people you know True. what i'm saying um that that just want to hear from kind of like-minded people or like learn lessons along the way or exactly. little nuggets or breadcrumbs you know what i'm saying right um so 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 you got some nuggets for, for us today i might have a little breadcrumb you know what i'm saying <laughs> you got some jewels you can drop on us so ryan i titled this episode industry insider okay. and when i was puzzling it when i was brainstorming about it i was like you know industry insider and the industry underdogs are part of the industry is watching because mm-hmm. i'm an advocate for the underdogs and also the insiders as well but when i was thinking about the the name of the show the episode i wanted to do industry insider i could think only could think of you came to my top of mind <laughs> oh, and so man. this episode is curated highly curated okay. for, for yourself in a sense of industry insider so you've worked with like some of the biggest brands in the business so would you yeah. consider yourself to be like an insider oh you know what the, the insider term is is so interesting I, 
I don't consider myself to be one. I think probably uh, externally people will probably say that I'm one, but right. I feel like, and the reason that I don't is I feel like that when you say like industry insider, I feel like there, to me, there's a perception of like, and maybe it's not, but there's a perception of like ego or I've made it or I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm super connected and I can, I can move. And while I do have those connections, I True. still feel like, I feel like I approach things from an underdog standpoint because I feel okay. like underdog always has something to prove. So what that means that True. manifests itself in like continuing to hustle and grind yeah, and, get to, and try to get to the next level and do what you're doing there. So like, I feel like I, I technically I probably am an insider, but I really feel like I identify more with the underdog. With the underdog. Does that make sense? That makes a whole bunch of sense. You're very humble and you're not ego driven and you're very relatable and approachable, man. And I see you on all different kind of levels and interacting and assisting people on all different levels, man. And and I think that is a gift and, and something that you have is being able to, you know, you have your foot in the door in a sense of. Yeah resources and people and you've been doing your thing across the you know your career mm -hmm. but you're also very humble very relatable and so you're like a the humble insider yeah okay okay, okay. i'll take that humble insider i yeah. like that yeah you know I, just, I just made that up right right now. right i love it love it <laughs> on the spot man but yeah i feel like that's 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 some of that uh that memphis it's like don't forget where you come from man you know what true, i'm saying true so yeah, yeah the purpose of this episode is to get a listener's insight into your career in marketing and media and how you became this humble industry insider so we're talking about the insider ryan you said something about the underdog how do you relate to the underdog in a sense yeah i mean i relate to the underdog because i mean like we were saying before i I approach things and I still feel like I'm an underdog, right? Because I have so much more that I want to do and achieve. True. And, um, and so I feel like that, that kind of, um, that kind of scrappy underdog mentality of figure out a way to get it done. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If you have a, a interest or a passion, you may not know the correct path to take to get, to get there. But one thing that you do, one thing that I know I have is connections or I know somebody that could potentially lead me in the right direction True. or, I can research how to do that shit or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like there are, I'm pretty scrappy to have stuff at my disposal to be like, yo, if I want to go, go in this arena or, or do this thing, there is some kind of way or some kind of thing that I could do to make progress to get me to where, where I'm going. Um, and so I, I think I identify with the, with the underdogs just because I feel like I'm still that. And I still, yeah. I feel like I'm still doing th those characteristics right. and those traits that underdogs have. I still employ, I feel like daily. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's really humble of you to say, but I also feel with like putting yourself in the shoes of that underdog and okay. keeping that mentality, man, yep. just only excels what you're doing. Cause it keeps you hungry. It keeps yep. you on your toes and it keeps you like really innovative as exactly. far as the strategies that you use to like in what you do like marketing and, right, and right building brands so let's talk about like building brands for a second like what is like what's the secret sauce to like building a brand ryan like, again yeah. ryan has worked for some of the major brands in the business like oh you know nah, i got your, your resume right nah. here but but tell us like some of the some of the people and networks people you've worked with yeah so uh so i worked with i worked at coca-cola leading the vitamin water brand for about three years so okay. obviously that was um Working a lot with like culture and lifestyle, so did a lot of stuff with the Fader and Def Jam and um, uh, just a lot of artists and talent there. I've actually been the brand director for Ciroc, 
Uh, so obviously worked really closely with Sean Combs um, and Khaled and all of those folks that were kind of Ciroc ambassadors, um, but uh, worked previously before at, at a company called Unilever um, on some of the hair care brands where I've done some stuff. So a lot of partnerships and, and uh, kind of talent that and, and um, I think labels and, and things like that that I've, that I've dealt with. But I think to answer your question around kind of like um, brands and what's the special sauce? Mm-hmm. I think it's I think a couple of things with with brands. I think one you just have to one is you really have to understand your target, okay, um, and who you are trying to who your brand is for and who you're trying to target, um, and then you have to understand like what your brand proposition and promise is. And it's not your brand proposition and promise is oftentimes not what you think you should be communicating, but it's like part of that is understanding your target. So how do you Understand them well enough to know what you need to say to them. Got it. Brand proposition and promise. Yeah. Paint that picture for me. Yep. So for me, brand promise is essentially what your what your brand is giving to consumers. The proposition is what your brand stands for, right? Oh, okay. And so you have to be really clear on on those two things, right? So right. the promise is what what value for me. Um, is your brand bringing, and then the proposition is is exactly exactly like what it is that you're that you're given. Okay. And so I think you have to be clear on that, and and tr- you have to like for me, marketing a brand always goes back to that. So you have to stay true to to what that is because if you if you lose sight of kind of what your brand is about, then you'll essentially do anything in an you know what I'm saying in an effort to 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 try to market your brand, which is why you see a lot of the brands making mistakes and, and mishaps. Like There are thousands of examples of brands that have uh, essentially tried to target somebody but didn't really understand what the brand promise was or what that consumer was and how to talk to them, and they've just it's just been a, a huge disaster. Another thing is people are going to say what they're going to say, right? True. Right, and, and social media and people are going to talk. But I think brands have to, you have to understand your target, you have to understand culture and how to talk to people so that you can avoid some of those mishaps. You were recently featured in the ad age 40 under 40. And this is a list, like highly curated list that's recognized talent individuals who like are part of a team and who are responsible for really helping advance a business or a brand. And that's a huge accolade to be listed as like ad age 40 under 40. Like, tell us about yeah, that. Man. Yeah, I was super excited. So this is something like ad ages is probably the premier communication um, or, or publication for the advertising marketing industry, right? And so every year they select a national list of 40 people that essentially are the up-and-comers that are um, driving change and evolving the the landscape of media advertising communications. Um, And so I like super, I was super honored to be one of the, one of the 40 on those lists. Well, one, I've been targeting that list ever since I started working. Right. So when I was, when I was straight out of college and started working in marketing, that was always a goal for me. How do I get on this list? Um, It's taken me 15 years, but, but I got here and and the, the, the other pieces, you never see a lot of black or brown faces on those lists ever yeah. i think this year this year it was more than they they've had in the past and i think it was four of us okay um and that i mean that one is it's um that's unacceptable for it for it not to be uh many of us but uh but i think i was i was honored i was super excited um and and i think for me it just emphasized the fact that we got much more work to do in our field to bring other people that look like us along the way right and that's, to help them that's true yeah i was excited because I, I see this list every year, 
and to see somebody that I know, like I know this person, I could pick up the phone and call you to <laughs> right. see you featured on this list line was huge. And I was like, wow, because every year I read this list and go okay. through the people. And it's like, yo, what do they do? And, right, right. You know, I'm trying to figure out a way to how I get on this list. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, get on the list or connect to the people on the list too, right? Because it's it's like heavy hitters on that list. Um, Brian, man. you're a heavy hitter. Ah, love to hear that. So it's forty under that. forty. So you guys are young professionals in the marketing and, and brand building and brand building businesses who are really making power moves, man. That's yeah, awesome. Man. I think they do marketing, advertising, and media. So it's the, okay. the the folks shaping the marketing, advertising, and media industries. Wow, congratulations on that. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You had that. a pretty good big Greatly. 2019, man. You know, 20, 2019 was interesting because it was a year. I know you didn't ask me about this, but I think this is interesting for folks to hear. It was a year. Like, what I, I, I came into 2019, and what I recognized was I was doing, and I have been doing for years, a lot of kind of brand building with, like, these big multi-billion dollar brands and companies and things like that. But what I recognized was that um, – I wasn't really leveraging that like I should be, right? Personally, right? So, okay. so people within the companies and within our industry kind of knew who I was, but but I vowed and committed at the beginning of this year to build my personal brand quite a bit more, right? Okay. And so I talked to some of my uh, talked to some of my mentors, got some advice and guidance, but I plotted out a plan, a very deliberate plan on what do I want to achieve from building my personal brand and and how do I do it, right? And what that meant for me was uh, was quite frankly like pushing into a lot of discomfort. I started saying yes to stuff that I, I typically mm. wouldn't do, right? So panel discussions. I did a shitload of them this year just because I said that that's part of building I've, my I've personal brand. I've seen those brand. as well. Um, doing keynote speeches, doing like judging creative competitions, Different all of those things. festivals and things exactly. I've seen you on the panels of yeah, too. Yeah, so all of those things, like they were very deliberate because I said I, I, I want to make a um, – a very valiant attempt to try to build my personal brand, and okay. so, uh, so for me that was it's part of the discomfort. Like I'm like I talk a lot if you uh, don't sense that, but still like uh, panel discussions and keynote speeches and that kind of stuff is not as comfortable for me, right? I'm much more of an informal person. Okay. Um, but but I think that pushing into that discomfort has has paid dividends. I think even over this year, right? So just imagine what that plan could look like next year when I continue this uh, this journey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's again as an industry insider, that's part of the reason that I invited you to be like one of my first guests on the first season of the show, man. Because you have insight, and you don't just really get that every day to be able to tap into. So I wanted to, sh I wanted you to share your insight with the audience and just give people like, you know, a little bit about your story, man. Cause again, you're doing really big things and you're still like humble and still really just like making moves within the industry. The, ind the industry is watching you. Bro. <laughs> as long as they ain't plotting, I'm good. <laughs> as far as like your current position, you're the head of multicultural marketing and innovation at Diageo. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that position entails as a marketer and how you're influencing Diageo, the, the Diageo brand, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So I think, well, first I, I should probably say uh, what Diageo is. A lot of people don't really understand because it's a parent company of a lot of brands, right? Okay. So Diageo is the biggest spirits or the biggest maker of spirits in the world by spirits i mean we, we call it hard liquor down south okay <laughs> but it's the uh we have brand we own brands like ciroc and kettle one and crown royal and tangeray and johnny walker bullet bourbon wow. bailey's um so a lot of the major liquor brands uh we own and so my role at diageo is <clears throat> leading up 
multicultural marketing activation. I'll talk about what that means in a second across all the brands okay. within the portfolio. And then I also head up innovation for a couple of our categories. So I head up innovation for rum, our rums category, and some of our whiskey brands as well. Um, on the multicultural marketing activation front, that's essentially the task there. My task there is to understand kind of the the multicultural consumer and identify ways um, that we can engage our brands mean engage with our consumers meaningfully with our brands and activate and execute that so I have a team that actually most of the local things and events that you see with any of those brands my team will likely have negotiated identified activated made sure that the brands show up in the right moments at the right places in the right ways If you're just tuning in, this is the Industry is Watching podcast, and we're here with Come Ryan on if you're just tuning in. Robertson. <laughs> and again, we're here to inform, influence, and inspire the underdogs and the insiders of the industry. What up, y'all? Speaking of the industry is watching, what are you watching right now? What are you paying attention to? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the things that I'm paying attention to that I wish, that I hope everybody would pay attention to is... Um, it's a web series called King Esther. Um, it was written and directed by the phenomenal genius that is Dewey Gerard, who's one of my great friends. Um, but essentially, it is a uh, it's a web series about a black transgender woman right. in New Orleans um, who is essentially trying to escape the week before Hurricane Katrina. So each episode is a day leading up to Hurricane Katrina, and the season ends as Katrina approaches. Um, and it exact. I'm um, one of the executive producers, uh, happily, and uh, it's actually available on YouTube, on Issa Rae Presents YouTube channel, um, because we were fortunate to partner with them and, and release the, the series. But that's something that I am still watching. I still watch it. Like, obviously, I've seen it several times, but I still watch it. Uh, right now, I, I, I just go back for the comments and, and see what people are talking see about. See what it. people think about it. Yeah, that's but huge. I, would love, I would love for uh, for everybody to check it out. Ryan, why do you think it was a that was an important story to tell, the trans story that yeah. you guys did with King Esther? Yeah, so I think that it is um, <clears throat> for me, I think none of us can can deny that there is an absolutely like alarming amount of violence that's enacted upon the trans community, specifically True. the black trans community. I think um, HRC just released a report that said that as of now, uh, in 2019, 22 transgender people have been killed, have been murdered, um, and I think 21 of them were black. Wow. And so um, I think that the create like this piece, I th well, one, I think the creative community can play a big role in kind of helping to drive awareness of this um, and recognize the humanity in this all, because that's what it's about. I think people shun what they don't understand. True. And just like any disenfranchised communities, um, I think there is a, a a lack of understanding with the trans community and a lack of of, of people really recognizing that, that they are people like everybody else, right? So this, actual, this, this story for me really humanized the trans experience yeah. um and help to just help to help to um not only bring awareness but help to normalize help to normalize this and i think that that was like i felt like there was a lot of power in that story um and i think that like we actually worked with trans women on screen so we had a lot of trans women in the cast and behind the camera as okay. well trans women women and men in front of and behind the camera that was important to us because not only are we telling these stories but we want to make sure that we are 
employing and working with them and making sure one of our story consultants was a trans woman, mm-hmm. uh, Dame Figueroa, and and she was great. Uh, Angelica Ross actually is one of the executive producers as well, uh, and she's in the series. That's Candy from that Pose, is Candy right? from Pose. You got yeah. it, and she's on um, American Horror Story now as well. True. Uh, but yeah, she she was a, a a critical part of the project. So I think it was an sto- important story to tell, and I think that obviously we have a lot of work to do in our community to still drive um, kind of awareness of this issue. But but for me, that was that was something important because I I, I think it, it spoke to the humanity in us all. Yeah, Congratulations, thank you on just the series and to you and to thank Dewey you, and to your guys's entire team speaking of brands and the industry is watching i saw a clip maybe like a year ago where you were on the stage with diddy doing like an opening of like ciroc or Mm, it's probably oh that was the uh we were ringing the uh the stock exchange bell for was it for ciroc it was for ciroc yeah yeah yeah. okay i just saw you on stage behind diddy and he was giving a speech yep and it was tied, I feel like it was tied to Ciroc though. Yeah, yeah, right? that was yeah Ciroc. They invited us to uh, I think we were launching some new flavor or, okay. or, or something, and so they invited us to ring the stock exchange bell. So that was a lot of fun. So how, how, what hand did you play in bringing like the Ciroc brand to life? Yeah, so that I mean I think that that particular example was essentially uh, them reaching out and saying, oh hey, uh, in terms of uh, understanding that we had a new product coming out. I think they they typically like reach out to brands to do like the the signatory like closing bell ringing. Got it. Um, and so that they did that just because we were we were um, launching some new innovation there, and so they wanted to kind of highlight that. Uh, but like, essentially, my team that was that was at the point when I was leading the Ciroc brand, but uh, but our team was was critical in kind of developing that innovation, aligning Diddy to. Uh, to launch that and then the marketing plan behind that so all the communications advertising social media posts events activations and everything around around that flavor lunch my team kind of developed uh and led wow that's big so yeah, you man. got you got a bottle of Ciroc in your bag over there uh, yeah i might have a little something i don't i don't think i brought none from work today but no nah, this ryan <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting man thank you for sharing that that is huge though to see thank you man just this kid from memphis that's the kid from Memphis. Here in New York City, like running and leading major campaigns for major brands like Ciroc and Diageo, et cetera, man. I'm pretty sure your family is proud of you too, though. You know, um, I think so. Not I think so. I know they are. My every every time my uh every chance my dad gets to to talk about me, he's like bragging and stuff. I'm like, stop, bro, stop. <laughs> like with his friends and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's always calling me like Ryan, tell them about this, tell them about this. I'm like, stop. Put you no, on, put you I don't on the spot. want to. Right. I don't want to. So Ryan, I want you to come into the industry confessional booth and give us an experience or a testimony. That or a challenge that you face, and the aim of this to really help somebody who might be going through the same thing. Yeah, come you on, testimony. Come on, church. I mean, I think for me, it is something that it's actually something that I, I still struggle with a bit uh, now. But I think that it is essentially. I think I've re- like professionally, I am uh, kind of I'm, I'm doing well in my career. I've kind of gotten to a place where. Um, well, I'm pretty comfortable in terms of like uh, financially and, and where I am professionally and, and things like that. Um, but I think that there's always for me a, a side on um, or there's another half of my brain and head that are saying, hey, 
like you're enjoying this what you're doing professionally, but I would really love to be doing much more that we talked about, like music supervision or executive production and in, in, in film and things like that. But I feel like um, for me, there is a there is a hesitance because I feel like there is a level of kind of comfort where I am now okay. professionally. And it's like I know to do like I would love to do something like that full time. But I think that um, for me, like it, it's it's a it's a hesitance to step out on faith and saying, hey, do I really want to leave my professional job and salary and and regular money to to go pursue that? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I've where I've taken comfort is I've done it like on the side as kind of a passion project. What I've been doing in situations like that, what I know I'm I'm scared, mm-hmm. is to like you're scared, but do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And and something else that I've I've been telling myself recently, when I feel that fear creeping up, yeah. especially professionally and yep. things like that, because I've been I. I have a hard time finding that balance too with my professional life that I built Mm -hmm. around, you know, just working professional for organizations, you know, great companies as far as like me creating, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Like I know that what I'm supposed to be doing is creating media. And you feel it, you know, it. you know it because you feel it and and there's no feeling like it. And yeah, it's definitely no feeling like that. And what I've, one of the strategies I've used when I'm, when I feel myself scared or I feel that fear creeping up, it's like, if you wasn't scared, what would you do? Mm. I ask myself that question. If you wasn't scared, what would you do? If I wasn't scared, what would I do? I fucking break the fucking door down. Absolutely. New doors, new floors. Like I would just go for it and I wouldn't look back. I wouldn't doubt myself. Right. I would just go for it. And that's the the energy that I try to channel whenever I feel that fear. I love that. I love that. And to your point, like if you like, you know, you feel that energy and you know what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Like even the example when I was um, doing music supervision on these recent projects like Sauce that we did. Um, you know what I'm saying? I would come home from work and I would get home at 9 p.m. and have to and have to do music supervision stuff. But I would be doing it. I would be doing it, having a good time. I look up and it's two in the morning. and I got to get up. You know what I'm saying? At six to go to work. Exactly. But but it didn't it didn't feel like that because I was enjoying it. And that's when I knew like, yo, you know what that's called, Ryan? What's the, the calling? Oh, I was going to say passion. Passion. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. But that's also a calling when you just lost track of time yep. and you were in it. And it's intuitive. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? When I'm in my element like that, I become Miss Cleo. Mm. Call, Call me, me now. now. <laughs> <laughs> I become a psychic in, in a sense of like I know what I'm, you know, when I'm in that moment. I, yeah. I, I go in and out of it. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in the moment, I become like I have I get this superpower. Mm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep. 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 So Ryan, you're really big on the music. So give us a song or a lyric Uh-oh. that's like that like defines you or is like the soundtrack of Ryan. All right, got you. Uh, I think this is kind of an easy one for me. Okay. It's um I would say it's from uh from it's a Kanye West song. The brother is still canceled. So uh, but uh but the song is um can't tell me nothing, and the lyric is this is my life, homie. You decide yours. Can't tell me nothing. Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. Let up the suicide doors. This is my life, homie. You decide yours. So tell us what how does that relate to you? How does that Yeah, so I think I mean for me, I think that it is all about 
there are a lot of times we get twisted because you there are a lot of external forces that kind of tell you what you should be doing. And nobody knows what you should be doing with your life like you know, right? Or okay. what you, what you want to be doing and following your passions. And, and I think that for me that it just embodies like, yo, this, I'm the one that has to live this life. So I'm going to do it as best that I can and mm. do what makes me happy. So you can have the same, like you have the same authority over your life to do that, right? And so authority. for me, it is, it's right. This is for your me, life, homie. This you decide. Is, this is my life, homie. You decide yours. Ooh. So I'm deciding my life. You decide your life because you have the authority to decide your life. But I think it, it for me, it's kind of blocking out a lot of those negative external influences and saying, mm-hmm. well, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this. No, I'm going to do what I feel is right for me. And so I think that's why it's so powerful. What is your Instagram handle, Ryan? My Instagram handle is at real Ryan Rob R O B. Check me out. Follow me. I follows back. Okay. Definitely. Let's let's check out Ryan at the real Ryan Rob. Not I, the. Not the. Okay. Well, what is it again? At real Ryan Rob. You got it. Hold on, I'm typing this in the browser mm-hmm, right now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fact-checking you, but I'm, I'm running your credit <laughs> on the spot. From my critic. My critic. Okay, yeah, so we can follow Ryan at Real Ryan Rob. And his quote, that his, his soundtrack of Ryan is, this is my life, homie, you decide yours. <laughs> Moving on into the safe space. And here at the Industry is Watching, man, we encourage our listeners and our guests and collaborators to talk about how they feel and what they're going through. And so we've spoke a lot today just about mental health, stress and anxiety. Like what do you how do you handle stress, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it, what's interesting is I rarely work professionally. Um I rarely get stressed out just because I try to I try to approach everything from a avenue of and this is professional. I think personal life is a little bit different, right? Okay. Professionally, I try to approach everything from like Yo, I mean, nothing is that. Nothing at work should get you to the point where you are stressing out and kind of losing sleep over stuff. Because, quite frankly, I'm not doing life saving or life changing work. I'm not a doctor. You know what I'm saying? Got you. And so, understanding that, um, I think a lot of times when I when I try to or when myself tells me that I need to be stressed out or, or anxious about something, I can kind of dial it down a little bit. But there are times when you, when you still do. So I, I I find comfort in like. Hanging out with my friends, um, I find comfort a lot in my family and, and talking to my family. Um, and then I love to travel, man. Like that, that to me, travel is where I kind of regroup and kind of okay. reset. Every time I text you, Ryan, you're like in another country <laughs> or another state. You're like, man, that's, that's how I reset, bro. Again, Ryan, thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show. I really appreciate everything Thanks. you brought to the table, man. Thanks, and man. And hopefully we help somebody today. Absolutely. As far as like j- dropping a little nugget or like you said earlier, like a breadcrumb mm-hmm. to where somebody can hear something and, and be inspired and to take action. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity, brother. This is awesome. Yes, sir. Oh, signing off with, we just got the cue that we're wrapping it up. But again, Ryan, thank you for the being a guest on the industry is watching podcast Thanks, and man. until the next episode the industry is watching they lurking they looking they loving they hating they waiting they plotting the industry is watching they lurking they looking they loving they hating they waiting they plotting